0: welcome to the filmed live musicals podcast a podcast about stage musicals that have been legally filmed and publicly distributed the filmed live musicals website contains information on nearly 200 musicals that have been captured live check it out at filmslivemusicals.com and now on with the show Welcome to episode 34 of the Filmed Live Musicals podcast. I'm your host, Louisa Lyons, and my guest today is Jean-Paul Yovanoff, the Artistic Director of Musical Theatre Radio and co-founder of the virtual theatre, the Jill Edmund Theatre. Welcome, Jean-Paul. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I'm very excited to chat with you today about the work that you're doing in the world of virtual theatre. It's very exciting. But to start us off, what made you fall in love with musical theatre? I
1: didn't really have a choice. I always tell this story because my mom tells it. Uh, I've been doing uh, theater since before I was born because when my mom was pregnant with me, they worked at uh, the company called Kodak. My dad and my mom uh, they put on shows there. So while she was pregnant with me, they were rehearsing Oklahoma. So I've been, you know, on stage since you know pre-birth, and I didn't really have a choice. So once I was born, what happens is uh, during rehearsals, she said that she put me underneath the piano uh, during rehearsals. And she would also say I kicked along in her stomach to uh, the music. I don't know if that's true, but it makes for a great story.
0: That is a great story. And when you say Kodak, do you mean the the film, photo film company?
1: Yeah. My dad worked at Kodak here in Toronto, the film company, and they used to have lots of extracurricular stuff for their employees. They'd put on shows and, and things like that. So yeah, I, I've been involved or watching theater since, yeah, before I was born.
0: Oh, that is such a great story. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the image of you as a little baby under the piano, just absorbing all that music.
1: It was a grand piano, not an upright, just to let everybody know. So uh, my parents weren't that cruel.
0: <laughs> what a great image. Did you grow up watching filmed theatre?
1: Honestly, no, not very much. I went to a lot of theatre uh, growing up. That was just something that was a part of our family's life. We would go... Um, We didn't go to a lot because we just couldn't afford it, I'll be honest. But every year we would go to Stratford here in Canada and see two shows. We'd go see a matinee, we'd go for dinner, and then we'd go see a night show. And I saw so much Gilbert and Sullivan over that time. And it was just ingrained in in the way I was, is going to see live theatre.
0: More recently, have you been watching theatre on screen? I've been
1: trying to. Again, I run a radio station, so that takes up twenty four seven of my life. Cause when I'm watching a, a musical on screen, I'm not listening to a cast recording. So I I I honestly I try. <laughs> I try to watch as much as I can.
0: What led to your interest in cast recordings?
1: Again, I think just growing up with theater, uh, just being a part of it. It's not what I wanted to do. I didn't decide to be in musical theater until I was like seventeen. Uh, I before that I wanted to fly a helicopter or you know work with computers and because of my eyes I couldn't fly helicopters and because I'm terrible at the computer I couldn't go into that so in grade 12 I I did Little Shop of Horrors and I went you know what this is what I want to do I I want to perform so I changed everything and and started taking vocal music and dance lessons um, in grade 12 and then yeah, went to Sheridan College for musical theater performance and that's where it took off from there.
0: Am I remembering this correctly, is Sheridan College the place that started come from away? Exactly.
1: Way after <laughs> I was there. But yeah. yes, that's it's it's well renowned for its performance and, and uh now for you know helping nurture new musicals.
0: What was it when you did Little Shop of Horrors you played Mr. Mushnik, right?
1: Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> what was uh, yeah. it about
0: that experience that made you want to pursue it professionally?
1: Oh, I don't know. It's just there was something about it that clicked and went, you know what? You've been watching theater and enjoying theater and musicals all your life. Now you found out you can sing and and dance. And and I knew I could, you know, act a bit. I went. you know what? Let's do this. Let's give it a try. My parents were completely supportive. They said, hey, if this is what you want to do. Go for it. Right. So I, I just went for it. It was something inside me. Just went, let's do it.
0: That's really beautiful. And I'm so glad that your parents were supportive of, of that dream.
1: <laughs> I, I know it. So have I. My whole family's done weird stuff. My sister, she went into politics. So she can't, she manages uh, political campaigns across Canada. My other sister is an archaeologist and I'm in theater. So, you know. There's no nothing that connects any of us really, except for maybe the politics and theater. Because let's be honest, that's all performance and um, acting. So.
0: And eventually, they'll be tied in with archaeology too.
1: <laughs> At some point, uh, you know, I'll maybe write an archaeological musical and and see what happens.
0: Dinners with your family must be so much fun. What a range of like intelligent, fascinating areas that you all work in.
1: It's insane. It's totally, <laughs> entirely insane. The way we all think as my parents, if they should have been hippies, they weren't, but they're very open and, and didn't live those hippie lifestyle, but they believed that we could do whatever we wanted and, and we could just talk about whatever we wanted. Nothing is off the table. Uh, you want to talk about death, we'll talk about death. You want to talk about politics, we'll talk about politics. You want to talk about anything that comes to mind, it's fair game. to to talk about it because nothing is sacred in our house. It's it's terrible as that may sound, but nothing is sacred. And we can talk about whatever we want and say whatever we want.
0: You want to sing and dance, you go ahead and sing and dance. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) If it makes
1: you, they they want you to be happy. My parents wanted us to be happy and doing what we want to do. And they let us do that, which was fantastic.
0: Oh, that's really beautiful. I love that. So what led you to create musical theater radio?
1: so as as some people might not realize there's not a lot of money in theater surprise surprise i know you get into the business and you expect to be rich and famous so i got out of sheridan and i went to york university after that and i graduated with a degree and i realized i need to make money so i actually got a job as a dj so i dj'd for about 13 years a mobile dj which is performance but it's not in theater. And then uh, I started a few other businesses, and about three years ago, the business I was trying, it wasn't working. So what you do is you pivot, and then I pivoted again, and then I pivoted again. And when you pivot four times, you've just created a square, and you're back to where you begin. And I thought, you know what? I'm not happy. I'm not making any money. Let's just forget it. Let's just drop it. And that's one of the hardest things to do in business and in life. And sometimes you got to, it's that moment when you realize it's not working and you have to give up. And and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, with stopping what you're doing because it's not working. So I decided, you know what, let's go back to my musical theater roots. I hadn't done it for a while and, and let's start a radio station. And uh, I did that. And, and now I am making no money, but I'm happy. So it, it's, it's, <laughs> i've done half of this stuff
0: you were fulfilling Um, the hippie prophecy of your parents
1: exactly exactly (laughs) you know as long as i'm happy and i'm doing stuff and i can cover my bills and and all that fun stuff i'm good but yeah i decided to start a, a radio station um called musical theater radio
0: what were the challenges in creating a radio station
1: I had all the music, which was nice. I have so many shows on LP and CD and cassette and things like that. Finding the content wasn't the problem. The biggest problem is finding an audience. Like anything, whether you're writing a musical or you are building a movie or anything, when you're starting a business, it's finding the audience and being honest with yourself. Because we all say in business, we want everybody to be our clients that's not realistic let's be honest it, you're not going to have everybody but that's what i wanted and then i realized it that's that's not working per se so i decided to focus more being an indust the industry musical station um so I, my mandate is to play you know classics and and rare stuff so you know you get the hamiltons you get the come from aways you get the be more chills but you also get that rare 1963 broadway flop you know but had a great cast recording so i'll play that stuff but our mandate is also to help promote new creators and their works so we play about 150 plus new works that you might not have heard of so you know what when you listen to our station you know you're going to hear a little bit of everything and that's not for everybody but that's okay so if you want to hear something new this is the place to to tune into
0: What have been some of your favorite new works of recent times?
1: People ask me that. And I'm totally honest to say, I don't remember. When you listen to (laughs) a cast recording a day, they all start to blur together. Um, But there's some some great stuff. I'm also working with – NYU's Tisch Musical Theater Writing Program, and I've heard some great stuff come out of there. I'm I'm thinking about directing a show called uh, For Show, which is based on Show Choir. Um, so there's great some great stuff there um, that we're we're in talks of working with. Um, I'm trying to think some of the new stuff,
0: or it can be it's, let's let's open it up. How about uh, do you have recordings that you? Go back to, or that are like comfort food for you?
1: Oh, for sure. There are shows that I totally love in cast recordings. Um, Five Guys named Mo is one of my favorites. Uh, Chess, uh, Hello Again. A lot of the stuff I like to listen to is not mainstream. Uh, it's it's that weird off the the beaten path uh, type stuff.
0: Are you a collector that has like multiple versions of the same show? Like Chess, there's been billion <laughs> really different cast recordings.
1: I do. I do have multiple. I must have like seven versions of Evita. Um like Spanish and the the new Broadway and the old Broadway and the original Broadway and the London cast and the it just I do. It's because of the radio station of course. I want to give a variety of stuff, but yeah, it, being a collector is is terrible on the pocketbook. <laughs> and it's, you know, I have so many versions of everything. But I enjoy them all. I love them. They're all different.
0: I'm curious I last year I interviewed Robert Sokol who uh, is a writer in San Francisco mm-hmm. and he's also a cast recording collector and we talked about you know the physical space to store albums and CDs and <laughs> and yeah. and how digital is changing all of that and you know now we need terabytes of uh, Storage space, virtual storage space to have all this content. So I'm curious what your setup is.
1: Um, Both. You have to, it's just the digital version is so much easier to store. Um, I have bookshelves of, I don't know, 400, 450 LPs. Um, But I love the LPs because a lot of them have never been digitized and never got a CD. version of them this is that is the only recording of them you know the only digitized versions is when i digitize them myself for the radio station and you're going to hear stuff uh rare stuff canadian stuff for sure because i'm i'm here in toronto canada um i have so many shows that will never nobody's ever heard of Um, and they've never been digitized. So, um, I love the feel of a physical thing the CD or the tape or the, the LP. Um, I understand the point of, you know, MP3s or, or, um, you know, the digitized version. It's just easier to, to market, easier to get out to people, easier to store, but I'm old school. Of course I grew up with it. You know, I I grew up, um, with LPs and CDs and tapes. So for me, I love the tangible, physical. I also love books. I can't read books on on a Kindle or a computer screen or, or my phone or whatever. Give me paper. I'm old school.
0: There's nothing better than turning a page in a book.
1: There isn't. There isn't. I don't care on the computer if you hear that, that flip that they make the fake flipping <laughs> sound of a page. It's not the same. It's not the same. Plus, I can drop my book and I don't care. (laughs) It's not going to (laughs) break.
0: And something I miss with the move to digitization, which is already because we're going to talk about a virtual theater very soon, but something I miss is in a CD or an LP, the liner notes. There's like all this extra information that you can get that we don't really get anymore with digital. And same with uh, DVDs. I really Mm. miss the extras that you get in a DVD. There's like director's commentary or behind the scenes footage. And we're not getting that anymore with the virtual content.
1: The nice thing is I had a conversation with uh, Robbie Rozelle from Broadway uh, records. Uh, I don't know, but a month or so ago from my podcast. And and I asked that same question and they do, they, when you get the digitized version from a Broadway records, you get an MP, uh, not MP3, um, a PDF with the same type of liner notes and pictures and everything. So you do technically get the same content as the back of an LP or when you the gatefold you open it up and you've got the twice size record. So you do get the same content it's just not the same. It's it's like when you when you pull out a record you put it on you you can look at it while you're while you're listening to it. It, it it's just different with a PDF. Again, maybe I'm just old. Maybe I'm just old school that way but
0: uh (laughs) yeah
1: there is something lost there's there's something lost when you can't touch it you have to open it up on your computer while you're listening
0: so i think this is a funny roundabout way to get to the jill edmund theater Mm -hmm. uh for folks that haven't heard of it yet can you tell us what it is and then we'll get into the history of it
1: for sure uh the jill edmund virtual theater is um my partner, Lori Gladowski and my attempt to um, replicate the real world of theater in the virtual world. Uh, you know, Everybody knows when the pandemic happened, theater closed. And it's still closed. There's still, in Canada here, theaters are still closed. I, I went back for a month and then they closed again. But So everybody went online and uh, went to Zoom and YouTube Live. But it's not the same. It's not the same experience. So I've, I tried to replicate that experience of um, being able to meet people and talk to people and and, and that experience of uh, interaction and intimacy online.
0: And so what led to the creation of, of this theatre?
1: So about a month after, so everything closed down in March of what was it, 2020 uh, and we went into pandemic. So
0: long going. ago, and yet yesterday.
1: <laughs> I know. It, it feels like forever ago, but yeah, it, it wasn't, and it was. So close down in March. My friend, Jared Goldsmith, introduced me to this platform uh, called Remo, um, which was used for uh, events and corporate and um, conferences and things like that. So he introduced me that early April, and he started doing events on it. And, and holding corporate events and things like that. And I looked at it and basically it's set up like the real world. If you imagine tables and chairs in a real world and you can sit down at them and, and you can hop from table to table and instead of zoom where you have, you know, 150 heads, you're only talking to six heads or four or eight or whatever the table is, which creates an intimate atmosphere um, and you can actually have conversations and and like in the real world, you go from one table, you move to another table, and you talk with different people. And I looked at this and I went, This can be completely utilized for theater. And nobody using the platform at the time was artistic. You know, my friend Jared, he he plays music, so he he understood it some, but everybody else using the platform was from an event and a corporate world. And I looked at I and went, no, I'm gonna use it as a theater. And in June, we put on our first, you know, pre-Jill uh, Edmond concept. I, I partnered up with uh, Stuart Brayson in the UK, who uh, created um, From Here to Eternity with uh, Sir Tim Rice. And we, we decided to hold a one-night-only event. So basically, we got the cast and the creatives and the directors of um, From Here to Eternity together. And we did a one night only where we got to talk to them and meet them and have songs performed. And it was hosted by Simon Agrief from uh, the UK. He runs, uh, what is it? Sim G Productions, uh, uh, a radio, uh, not radio, a record label. He hosted it. I worked the back end of it and we did it. It was one of the first ones to do anything like this uh, during the pandemic. And it was a great success. We learned so much from it. We did four more. We we used the theater, the pre-theater concept, and did. Um, Everybody's talking about Jamie. We did uh, Saturday Night. One of my uh,
0: favorite new musicals of recent times. I it love was that great show so much.
1: <laughs> we had two or three Jamies on. We had the creators. Oh. We had performers uh, perform songs from it. Uh, we also did a tenth anniversary, basically reunion of Saturday Night Fever. In, in the from the UK cuz Simon was in it so he knew everybody we had performances again talks um and then the fourth one we did was come from away so we had the, again the creatives the producers we had uh four me- cast members from four different companies so the UK cast Canadian cast the New York cast and the touring cast and we had um a couple of the real people from the characters um show up and it was fantastic. And then we did all this in the first six months of the pandemic. Um, We, we refined it used the theater. Uh, We did virtual stage dooring because that's the one thing that was missed, right? Being able to come to the stage door and meeting the, the performers and stuff like that. We did it in a virtual setting. We created, we replicated it and we learned from it. And after that, we, we had a, the theater was that kind of set the the concept from it. Uh, I joined NAMT, which is the the National Alliance for Musical Theatre, met Lori Gladowski there. We just happened to hit it off. We did fantastic. Just our, our, our minds and the way we think uh, meshed perfectly. And I, I mentioned to her, I said the idea, I'm thinking about building a virtual theatre. What do you think of it? She loved it. And the Jill Edmond Virtual Theatre was born from there.
0: Okay. I have so many questions now. So, rewinding, I think it's really fascinating that three of the four shows that you first worked with were all shows that had been filmed live. Uh, From Here to Eternity, Everybody's Talking About Jamie, and Come From Away have all had pro shots that have been released, and and different strategies, too. Uh, From Here to Eternity is available on demand on Broadway HD. Everybody's Talking About Jamie was only released in the cinemas, and Sadly, you can't watch it anymore. Desperately want that to be re-released. And uh, Come From Away, obviously, filmed during the pandemic and then released on Apple TV. So I think yeah. that's really, it speaks to the openness of those producers and the creative teams to embrace technology for their productions.
1: And when we were doing our things, each one of those that you just talked about were at different stages. Um, From You to Eternity had already been uh, recorded. Jamie was when we were doing that, uh, the one night only thing was just pre um, being released and then come from way hadn't been at that point recorded. Um, So it was was great um, that we were able to get all three of those uh, three of the four of them and, and Saturday Night Fever is already a movie. (laughs) So at that point.
0: Yes, um, of course. So I, I can kind of picture what it would look like to mingle in the lobby is it kind of like the breakout rooms in Zoom where you chat with people?
1: The, the concept is similar in, in, in the fact that you are only talking with a small group of people. Um, a breakout room is the equivalent of a table. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's the atmosphere. When you look at the layout of it, it looks like the floor of a lobby. And that's what the difference is. It's not just heads on a screen. You can actually see the tables where people are sitting. Um, there's a group of six tables and you can see on the screen beside you at that table. Um, other people are sitting there and you can move from table to table. Um, just like in real life and, and there's multiple floors. Um, so you can have up to a thousand people in the theater, um, with multiple floors, a hundred people per floor. So you, what we did with, um, when we were doing our virtual um, stage dooring, we put different people on different floors. So we had the creatives and an actor on one floor. And then if you want to go see somebody else, you went to a different floor. The floors look all the same, (laughs) but you can can spread the people out. You can go visit uh, different floors to talk to different people. Um, We also did the NYU Tisch Musical Theater Writing Program's final presentation. So all the students got to put their presentations on and we assigned each floor to a different group of students. So if you wanted to go visit and talk with different f- students, you go to a different floor and you can and sit down and talk with them as well. Um, it's, it's, it's quite the experience and we can send out messages um, into the theater. So just let people know, Hey, 15 minutes, the show is going to start. You can get the bell ringing just like in real world to let you know, show is going to start in five minutes. Uh, we have a virtual TV in the right-hand corner, just like in the real world, where, you know, you're putting um, advertisements and what's coming up. It's, it's, it's such a, a similar experience to being in the real world. And what happens when the show starts, the lights go down and we go up on stage. And unlike in the real world, we can mute you. You know, your, so your cameras and microphones are muted. You can. We tell people you can eat as much as you want. Turn on all your cell phones. Let the babies cry. We're okay with that because it's a virtual theater. So
0: this is fascinating. And what what does this stage look like? Is it? Does it look it, like, like actually, if I wanted to screen come from away, for example, uh, no. in this virtual theater? Would and then you just like show the the pro shot, but for an event where you've got a concert of everyone from come from away and and the real life people what does it look like is does it look like zoom with different boxes it kind
1: of does there's only a finite amount of stuff you can do with with virtual online um there it is different boxes um but there there's it's just a different type of atmosphere because the only people you see are the people on stage unlike in zoom you see everybody. And you can highlight and spotlight, but you only see the people on stage and they can come on and off. So um, we say when you turn off your camera and your microphone, you're going in the wings. And then you turn your camera and microphone, you're coming back on stage. It's, it's got that same type of, of feel to it, mm-hmm. Um, which it's fun when I'm working with corporate people, they don't understand it. But when I get a theater person and I say this, they're like, Oh yeah, I totally get that. And, and it makes such a difference when I'm working with theater people. So um, it is essentially, let's be honest, there's only so much you can do with uh, the virtual world. And it does kind of look like Zoom. You still have boxes and things like that, but the feel is different and and, and the experience is, is, is different.
0: And I think as uh, virtual reality headsets become more commercially available and easier to use and, you know, a- available to the average person. I think the potential for that is really exciting. The British musical, The Grinning Man, was mm-hmm. uh, captured in VR by, um, uh, he played Gollum in the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, it,
1: it, yeah, I don't remember his
0: name. <laughs> I, I'm blank. I'm, apologies yeah. to that incredible artist. I am blanking on your name. But he, it was, uh, The Grinning Man was the first musical to be captured in full in VR, the Ooh. the whole, the entire show. And it hasn't been released yet. And I, I can imagine like pairing that capture with your theater is very exciting. There there are, you know, the, the potential the possibilities are very exciting.
1: Yeah. And, and, and we've created the theater so we could live stream as well. And so, you know, that which pairs perfectly with, with, uh, how we met. Um, yeah, it's, you can live stream into the theater and still get the reactions and the, there's the chat box as well. There's a little emoji so you can clap, um, which just floats up the side, which is a nice thing as a performer. You can see people's, you know, reactions, um, it's, it's, it's an exciting time. Will it replace live theater? No, of course not. It never will, but it's there to supplement and, and, and enhance and, and open the opportunity for people who can't get to the theater or, or don't want to risk going out in the pandemic or live in Bangladesh or in Spain or Chile or wherever who want to experience theater, but can't get to where it is.
0: That's something I I keep harping on about. What I've loved about the pandemic is that I've had access to work in the Philippines and I, um, yes. um, Russia and like all across the world, which I wouldn't have even known about before.
1: Exactly, exactly. There's so much great work out there that we will we just don't have an opportunity to uh, experience, and that's what I did with the radio station. Um, I wanted to make sure that we had a global coverage on the station. So we, we don't just play stuff from Broadway or the West End or Canada, the United States or, or the UK. There's always Australia. We play stuff from, uh, Singapore. We play stuff from Germany. We'll all play stuff from anywhere in the world, English or not. Uh, there's a number of shows. I have no idea what they're saying, but you know what? You still get the experience and, and, um, the feeling with the music of what it is and musical theater isn't just English centric, right? It's, it's in Germany, it's in Singapore, it's in Mandarin, it's in Japanese, it's in, language. It's and, in Korea. And it's wanna, in
0: Russia. It's in <laughs> exactly.
1: It's everywhere, and that's that's why I want to do the radio station and the Gilman Virtual Theater because it can be global and bring us all together and give experiences to people in in South Korea to experience the the North American experience and people in North America to try and experience the South African experience because once we all start to get to experience other people's culture and the way they do musical theater which i think you and i had a discussion i can't remember if it my podcast are off, off
0: off the <laughs> podcast
1: about how musicals are slightly different in different countries the way they, they're presented and 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 we need to experience that which will bring us all closer together in in the long run yes peace
0: love and musicals Exactly. <laughs> our, the hippie agenda is back <laughs>
1: Yep, completely totally it, it
0: always comes back i'm curious who jill edmund is or was who's the theater named after
1: i will give you the official answer
0: <laughs> so
1: every, every great theater has a ghost and jill edmund is our ghost so when you go to the theater you might experience the ghost who sometimes shows up, sometimes doesn't. When when we finish our website, you'll be able to go to it and you'll see the complete backstory of Jill Edmund, the ghost, the virtual ghost of our theater.
0: I love that so much. <laughs> and I hope, and this you are welcome to steal this, and if you don't already have yeah. it, I hope you have a ghost light burning on your website somewhere perpetually for the virtual theater.
1: <laughs> um we haven't got that yet, but it's still being built. So <laughs> but but yes, Jill Edmond, is is the name we named it after the ghost of our theater.
0: Okay, this is very intriguing. I can't wait to see your website. <laughs> That's the
1: thing. I, I don't want to give too much away because the website explains because there's a whole part where the story behind Jill Edmond and and how she gets named and who she is and, and all that sort of thing. And because and, we did that because every great theater has a ghost of some kind. And oh, wow. and uh, like I said, if you go to an event, sometimes she's there and she'll be sitting at a table. And it's, it, it's something to experience. It's so hard to explain a, a ghost in a virtual theater. You're like, how is that possible? It's possible. We, we made it possible.
0: You truly have thought of everything. You are making this a true experience of live theater online. I love that so much.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes I worry what's in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the stuff that I come up with.
0: (laughs) I truly, I love that so much. What do you see as the future of virtual theater?
1: It's going to be, um, it it will probably end up being uh, VR. At some point, obviously, um, we're not quite there yet, either technology wise or, um, having access to it. Our internet has to be, uh, upgraded. My parents, for example, uh, they live in the country. They were using dial up until like three years ago (laughs) and they still can't get very good reception, um, and I think the pandemic's been great for for that, to show the inequality of uh, internet access throughout the world. Um, so the the future of, um, you know, streamed musicals and things like that, we need to take a step back before we even think about that is getting the access to everybody and to have just to be on the internet. Um and And get everybody some internet. so it's hard to think about that, but I think once everybody has uh, access to the internet, we' we'll, it'll explode and and make that a lot easier. Mm. I don't know if that helps or answers the question, but
0: no, I think I think that's really important. It's something that's often overlooked. The economic and technological barriers, you know, we talk about and I've been talking a lot recently with the (laughs) consortium of American stream theater about how streaming theater can make theater more accessible, but it's not accessible if you don't have access to a computer and you don't have access to the internet. And like you say, there are so many people, I mean, in the United States alone who, you know, they, so many educators learned that their kids are having to go to McDonald's to get free Wi-Fi. Like there, there are so many people that just don't have access and the shift in, in our lifetimes that the internet is becoming a human, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, you can't live without it. It's, it's, that's just, it's just a fact of, of life. Mm-hmm. So, um, I know the governments are, are well, I know our government is working on that, um, trying to get it out to everybody. Cause yeah, there are points in Canada where there's nothing. <laughs> like and my parents live we they live an hour north of Toronto and they still because they live in the just in the middle of nowhere and they also live in a valley which really doesn't help because there's no cell phone service in, in their house either that 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 has nothing to do with anything else but just geographic but there are other people in northern Ontario or northern Canada who just can't get it mm-hmm. and, but you know they they've got uh what is, it, is it Elon Musk's uh, satellite links? I think in the sky, that's, it's starting. Um, But, you know, to get to where we want to with the live stream theater and things like that, we can't really even think about that almost until we fix that other stuff.
0: Mm. You
1: know, that, that, that it, you know, you can't run until you walk. And so we're still crawling, unfortunately, internet wise.
0: Very super important. I'm so glad that you, you raised that. This has been super fascinating. I cannot wait to see more about the Jill Edmund Theater. <laughs> Before we finish up today, I have a few quick questions for you that I ask all my guests. You don't need to think about them it. too hard. Whatever comes to mind, and there are no wrong answers. So to start <laughs> off with the, the Can of Worms question, what is your favorite musical?
1: Um, I will cop out and say mine. <laughs> it's it's it's, 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 i wrote the musical paradise island back in the day um it's about a guy who goes down to a tropical island and his misadventures down there over 24 hours it's just fun it's not brilliant it's just fun audience loved it uh it ran for three weeks at the community um theater company that put it on it was only supposed to run for two but it worked so well that we extended it a week um yeah i'm gonna say mine so
0: <laughs> is there a cast recording that we could listen to
1: <laughs> there is a studio cast recording that does play on the radio station um it is available if anybody ever wants to put it on um it's never been done outside of me but
0: <laughs> never say never well you're exactly next you film it <laughs>
1: I did do, oh, I did record it back in the day. I have no idea where it is. It's on a cassette somewhere. It's on a, that's the problem.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Antiquated
1: technology.
0: Um, Isn't it incredible how quickly that has happened? Like, you know, when I started college, there were still fluffy discs. (laughs) Yes. How very quickly they became obsolete. It makes me laugh. Do you have a favorite filmed live musical?
1: I'm gonna go again, gonna be a bit of a cop out. Um, the Into the Woods that everybody I think started with, what is it, in '87. Um that was probably the first time I ever saw a live stage musical on film. You know, I'd seen filmed musicals, you know, Hello Dolly and and um Funny Thing Happened to the Way of the Forum, et cetera, et cetera. But I think Into the Woods was the first time I'd seen theater recorded. And yeah, I, I'm gonna have to go with that one. I, I know it's gonna be answered for a lot of people, but it is the first one I saw. So
0: it's I think it's a really important one historically, because I to my knowledge, I think it's the first Broadway musical that was made commercially available in a way that was very accessible. There had been Filmed musicals before it, but they were limited to a very specific audience. Like Showgirl in Etobicoke, Canada, in Toronto, was shown in like 1961, but only if you had a very early version of pay TV where you literally put money into the little box next to your television. Uh, so you got to see Carol Channing and Showgirl if you happen to be those 75,000 people in Etobicoke. And uh, later there was pay TV with. Um, sophisticated ladies was shown on uh, Showtime, but I think Into the Woods was the first mu- filmed live musical to be released on VHS, and then later DVD. I,
1: actually, I have to change my answer. I just re- for, I just completely forgot. What, and I love this show. I saw there was a live filmed version of The Boys from Syracuse done in Stratford. Um, so good. Uh, Colm Fior was in it, um, which people know from movies and things like that. Uh, Goldie Simple, Geraint uh, Wynn Davies. Um, so good. It's one of my favorite musicals. Uh, the Boys from Syracuse. I don't know
0: this one. You've just added another one to my list.
1: Yes. It's, it's CBC did it. Uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation uh, recorded a bunch of their stuff. I don't know where it is. We recorded it off a of TV onto a VHS way back in the whenever it came out. I watched it, I don't know how many times, but I don't even know where I could find it. I don't even know if you can find it in the archives anywhere. So it's,
0: yeah. And that's one that's Um, not, uh, it's not a show that's often produced. So I think having a capture of it is super important.
1: And it's, I love that show. The music's so good. Rogers and Hart, one of my favorite, maybe my favorite writing team of all time. Because there's, I just love their stuff.
0: I cannot wait to go look that up. We're going to find it. Okay. It's, it's out there uh, somewhere.
1: <laughs> I'll see what I can do to help you find
0: it. Excellent. We'll team up. We'll take over the world. Exactly. So <laughs> a filmed life musical, it's not exactly a pure stage show, and it's not exactly a movie. So what should we call it? <sighs>
1: it's not a movie. It's not a stage show. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Not a clue. There are smarter people than me that Bobby can come up with something like that.
0: Excellent answer. Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. (laughs) Where do you stand on bootlegs?
1: Hmm. I'm not a fan of them only because I don't like watching them. Uh, It's just. I'm, it's just not good. The quality, I don't even care how good the quality is. It's still not good. Um, It's shaky. The sound quality is terrible. Um, I'm not a fan of them. Um, I I just not. Uh, I know people are going to watch them and and it, it will open up musicals to to people that they don't know about. Um, Yeah. I'm just not a fan of them.
0: Fair enough. What do you wish had been filmed?
1: Uh shows that will never be done ever again. Uh just from newer stuff like King Kong and um uh Spider-Man. Uh shows that that yeah, will never be on stage ever again. Um, cause you, you can get other stuff that, you know, maybe we lost, um, you know, because of the performers, we lost that, the, the quality of that show, but the show itself will be done. But, um, yeah, just something that shows that will never, that are, that are flops or failures, but deserve to be viewed. You know what? My, my philosophy is, um, everything deserves to be watched um good or bad um and good or bad is subjective unto itself that's a whole thing another thing i'd get into about good or bad but shows that will probably never get put on again um though i've always wanted i work for a theater company at york university it's like a 40 seat little black box and i so want to put spider-man in it a, a community theater version of spider-man you're going to swing very much? No, but come on. It would be so much fun to do. Just swinging the 30 feet back and forth. We we and just... <laughs> but I'll never get the rights to it. Or or put a you know a 60-foot gorilla in a 62 high seat theater. But, <laughs> it'd be fun. But uh, yeah, that's my answer. Just um, shows that will never get put on again.
0: I really love captured. that because it's not just about preserving the history of the hits – it it can give us a history of what didn't succeed and maybe give us an insight Mm -hmm. as to why. And also, if I have learned anything in life, it's that there is an audience for everything.
1: (laughs) Totally and entirely. Um, That's why I hate when people ask me about my opinions on shows when I go see them. What did you think? It doesn't matter what I think. Just go see it. Because my opinion is completely different than yours. I've seen shows that, you know, they loved and I hated, or they hated, I loved. It doesn't matter what I think. I can tell you, you know, why I, I think it is, but still go see it. Support in the theater and, and make your own decision.
0: Yes, I love that. What would you like to see filmed in the future?
1: Outside of my show? Um, uh,
0: coming soon to the Jill Edmund Theater. <laughs>
1: exactly. Oh, I would love that. Um, what? I don't think there's a there's not just one. I think they all need to be preserved. I, I, I yeah, there is no one that I want to see. Um, just do them all. We're, our technology now is allowing us to do that. It doesn't take much to. To set up a few cameras, patch into the soundboard, um, and do it with the Jill Edmond. We've we've done a number of um, kids shows. We did some classes. What they did, they put their laptop, open it up, should pointed the camera at it, and did it. Was the quality great of the sound or the the visual? No, but you know what? Now it exists, and and you know the richer you are. Um, and the simpler technology is just buy the cameras, set them up in the theaters permanently, and do it.
0: Yes. It's pretty simple. I am so <laughs> for this. There, It's starting to happen. Like the Z in Virginia Beach has mm-hmm. – they have, uh, when they were built, they, they put cameras into the structure of the theatre and now every show that goes into that theatre can be filmed and they have, like, a team of people that can help you make it happen. And I think it's crazy at this point that, you know, Broadway, you know, particularly didn't pivot during this the past couple of years and mm-hmm. get that setup up happening while everything was dark and imagine what ticket sales they could have recouped if they had been able to capture shows during that magical brief period when we were able to open without fear of the variant. So yep. yeah.
1: Oh. They're going to make, they can make money off of it even if the theaters are not full and it's not a deterrent. We've proved with bootlegs, people will still go see the shows even if they've seen the bootleg version. Um, mm-hmm. We just need to change around our, our way of thinking. Uh, the barriers are are twofold economic because I know the theater we want our little 40 seat theater. We would love to put cameras in there and do streaming. It's an economic thing, but it's more than the economics. It's the mental it's, it's the people's, the way they think it's, it's the old guard still. I'm not young, but it's mental. It's how old, young you are and forward thinking you are mentally, whether you're 90 or you're nine years old, if you know just use your brain. That's all I can say is just think about it and, and, and just take a risk, try something. I love that. I wouldn't do the theater and I wouldn't be doing the virtual theater and I wouldn't be doing the radio station if I just, you know, actually thought about it and realized I'm going to make no money. It's going to be a lot of work, but just try it. Experiment, do it.
0: That is a perfect note to end on. Where can we find you online?
1: If you go to musicaltheaterradio.com, you can find the the radio station. Uh, the, the website for the Jill Edmund isn't quite finished. should be finished by next week. Uh, this is the middle of January of 2022. So it'll be up very soon. Um, find me on social media at, at uh, mtr underscore tweets. I talk to everybody. Um, that's how I met you. <laughs> and that's how I meet everybody. Um, but yeah. Uh, that's how you can find us, the website and uh, Twitter.
0: Perfect. And we'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Jean-Paul, thank you so much for being my guest today and uh, we'll catch you soon.
1: Thank you very much for having me on. It's been a fantastic pleasure.
0: The Filmed Live Musicals podcast is created and edited by your host, Louisa Lyons, with thanks to our wonderful patrons, Josh Brandon, Belinda Broido, Elliot Charles, Rachel Esteban, Mercedes Esteban Lyons, Rusty Fox, James T. Lane, Alison Matthews, Al Monaco, David Negrin, Amy Penn, Jesse Rabinowitz and Brenda Goodman, David and Catherine Rabinowitz, Joe Tillotson and Beck Twist for financially supporting the site filmedlivemusicals.com is the most comprehensive list of film stage musicals you can follow us on twitter facebook and instagram if you would like early access to this very podcast early access to site content the full weekly newsletter with info on upcoming streams and exclusive access to the streaming calendar become a filmed live musicals patron for as little as three dollars us a month And if you're outside the U.S., you can sign up in your local currency. Visit www.FilmLiveMusicals.com to learn more. If you like what you hear, please leave a review through the Rate This Podcast link in the show notes. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and thanks for listening.